is my prayer and my desire that as we make our way through this most powerful letter, that you would not only just fall more in love with the Word of God, but that the Word of God would get deep down in you so that it causes a transformation. And so, family, we're gonna make our way through the book of Romans, and look, if we were to take, like, verse by verse or whatever, that could take forever. Jesus will be back by then. And so, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take it idea by idea. He clearly defines for us what was happening then and what is happening now. What is the problem? I titled my message and our message today, family, just that, the problem. And the, the problem is sinful humanity. He launches in and starts building his case in verse 16, your next chapter, or your next verse. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed to tie myself to this great news. I have not put my faith in something only to be let down. After declaring, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, he tells us why. It's because the only way that you and I are saved out of the the guilt of our sin is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen, family? He said, because those of us who follow Jesus, it's all by faith. The way we live is all by faith. Paul says, let me tell you why I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Because God has made a way. He's made a way so that we never have to taste one ounce of that wrath. Well, good morning, my beautiful family. All right, it's wonderful to see you all today, and we are continuing on in our series, A Walk Through Romans. That was a synopsis of two weeks ago, how we kind of got this, this thing started, and today we're going to continue on, family, but I need to tell you, today is going to feel a little bit more like a sprint through Romans, because we're going to be looking at five chapters today, okay? But listen. I'm gonna keep it simple, okay? I'm gonna keep it simple so that we're just going really idea for idea so that you grab onto like the meat of it. My prayer is that you'll jump into the book of Romans and that you'll read it and absorb it for yourself. It is, I told you, like my favorite book of the whole Bible. And so, so let's jump into it, family. We, we, we saw two weeks ago what the problem was. The problem that Paul established for us is that we are all sinful. And you know, sitting here hearing it, I, I told you guys, I haven't told you any new news, right? It was like, yes, we get it, Paul, we agree with you. The problem is that as human beings, we are, sim we are sinful. The rest of chapter three, family, is one of those things that just fills me with so much joy. How many know when you get bad news, there's a couple words in the Bible that changes everything, and it is, but God. Can I hear you shout, but God? But God. God made a way for us. He didn't just leave us in our sin family. 
He put forth his son, Jesus Christ, to be born on this earth, to live a perfect life, to die a brutal death. But how many are thankful Jesus Christ didn't stay dead, family? Yes, he rose again. And because he's alive and well and seated at the right hand of the Father, you and I have this incredible gift. And so the problem was sinful humanity. My message today is the provision. And you're only filling the blank this morning. The provision is the one and only Jesus. Would you write that down? Jesus. And so we're gonna jump into it, family. Paul goes in to chapter four, asking questions that he believes some of the Jewish converts to Christianity might be asking. Well, what about Father Abraham? What about everything that Father Abraham did? What, what are you trying to tell, tell us, Paul, that everything that Father Abraham accomplished, all the good works, all the good things that he did, that it doesn't amount to anything? It's like, no. Look at your first scripture there. He says, no, what does the scripture say? Abraham what, family? Shout that word at me. Abraham believed and God, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. What? Abraham believed? And so I want to already tell you at the beginning of this message, family, the Jewish idea and the Jewish understanding of believing or having faith is always this. Believing and obeying, okay? So Abraham believed, and Abraham was told this ridiculous thing. God revealed himself to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, I want you to leave everything you've ever known. I want you to leave, and he made all these incredible promises, and I just want you to go, and everything you need to know, I'll tell you when you need to know. I'm a good God, and I just want you to trust me, and just, just go. And what we see in the Word of God, family, is Abraham did just that. God said go, and Abraham went. And his belief, and his belief being backed up by obedient actions and behavior, Amen. God counted that as righteousness. And he goes on to say this, family, now to the one who works, the one who thinks it's all about following all the rules and knowing all the right things to do and all the right things to say and trying their best to be good and to do it all separate from faith in God. I just need to know what to do and follow all the rules and if I can just behave in the right way. Paul says now to the one who works and the idea again, is separate from faith. Just working, trying to follow all the rules in our own human ability to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And so what he's saying to us is this, family. Whenever you go to work, you expect at the end of the week to get a paycheck, right? You expect. And so there was this, among some of the Jews, there was this idea with God. Well, look, God, I'm following all these rules and guidelines that you've given me. And so somehow, since I'm, I'm able to try to get this mostly right and I'm trying to live the way I should live, God, you owe me. 
I'm doing this for you. I'm doing I'm not doing it as unto you. I'm doing I'm following all these rules and I'm, I'm trying to do my very, very best. And what happened, family, to them can happen to us sometimes. We can get so hung up on, well, this is, I have to do this and I have to go here and I have to do this and I have to do this that we forget our first love and why it is that we're living the way that we live. It's always about our faith in God. And so he says, those of you who are just trying to follow all the rules and do it all in your own strength, you've not received the gift. You're you're, you're doing it with the wrong motivation. He says, and to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So it's amazing, family. That's incredible news for us because somewhere along the line, we got it a little bit out of whack too. We, We got teaching and thinking that if we could just get Christians to behave, if we could just get Christians to look the part, and you guys all know, what, nod your head at me if you know what I'm talking about. If we can get everybody to just look the part, that's what matters most. And so we ended up making some of the same mistakes that the Jewish people were making, thinking it mattered more about how you looked than really having solid faith in God. And so Paul makes it very, very clear. It was the same for Abraham like it is for us. God was always looking for faith. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Faith and then obedience. Faith first and then obedience. That's how we're justified. So don't get it twisted, family. That's how we're proclaimed as righteous. When we keep our faith in Jesus Christ and out of our love and our faith in him, that affects the things we do and the things we don't do, the things we participate in and the things we don't participate in. If we get it mixed up, and think, I just, I just need to be good. I just need to follow all the rules. Okay, I need to not do that. And it says, thou shalt not this. And I did that. Okay, I need to just do. We end up falling into the same mistake that they made. We're going to jump ahead to chapter five now. And some of the scriptures you have there in your notes, family, we'll look at. And some I just want you to read on your own. But I'm building, I'm building my case here. I'm, be, I'm building Paul's case here. So in chapter five, he says this, family. It's so cool in chapter five. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by what? Shout it out to me. Faith. Not by works. You mean I haven't been justified? I haven't been proclaimed righteous because... I only sleep with diva, or I don't steal, or I don't lie, or I don't do, like all the good things that I'm doing, that doesn't make me righteous. We have been proclaimed righteous only by faith. And we get three things from that family, three powerful things. First, we have peace with God. And that's different from a peace, the peace of God. The peace with God that we get means, and I want to hear a hallelujah after this, we are no longer enemies of God. Can I hear a hallelujah? We are at peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained, guess what? Access. We now have the ability, because we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, we now have the ability, the ability to appear in the presence of God and be accepted. We have access. By what, family? Faith into this incredible grace in which we stand. So we also get grace, which frees us, family. It frees you and I up from falling into this trap. I just, if I can just concentrate on living right, I just have to concentrate on living right. It's so important, family, that our lives line up with how the word of God tells us to live. But we get it twisted if we think it's all about just, okay, okay, so today I'm gonna try my very best, I'm not gonna lie. And then, I'm not gonna lie today, I'm gonna try, then God will love me more. Then I'll be, Jeannie, then I'll be in a better position where God can bless me more. We get it confused. We think it's about, we can sometimes think it's about our effort and, okay, I just need to be kind today. Okay, today I'm just really going to work on being patient. And then, then I'll, I'll be justified. It's always been about this, family. Us putting our faith and our trust in God. And because we do that, then him proclaiming us righteous. And because we're so out of our mind that God, like, he looks at me and knows everything that I've done and everything that I will do, and he still says that I'm righteous. Oh, my God. We're so overwhelmed and blown away by that that the Holy Spirit in us generates the ability for us to obey. That's how it works. There are standards that we're to live by. There are things that Christians are absolutely to have nothing to do with. And there are things that we must stand up for. But when we get it out of order, okay, I just need to to know, I just need to follow all the things. We lose the power. We lose the power of living a victorious life. It's always faith first, followed by obedience. Faith first, followed by obedient living. We have peace, and we have access, and we stand, we're able to do it. Not by standing in our our ability, but we stand, family, in grace. And this is so important that you get this, family. Even by standing in this grace, how many know that we drop the ball a lot? Would you admit that? Like we mess up a lot. But Paul makes it so very, very clear that where our weakness and our sin abound, grace abounds all the more. It's all because of God's gift of grace to us. We can't ever overemphasize grace. We can, however, overemphasize sin. And haven't you found this to be true in your life? The more you focus on trying not to do something, the more you want to do it. 
And so I want you to jump with me ahead now to chapter six. Because Paul imagines that someone would ask this question. Well, then I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea. Would it be okay? How about we all just keep sinning? How about we all just keep sinning and then get more grace? Sounds good. Sign me up for that. <laughs> How about we just all get to do whatever we want and then God will pour out more grace. So should we just do whatever we feel? And then God will just pour out more grace. Do we get to say we believe and our life looks nothing like Jesus? How about we all just keep sinning and doing, doing just, just whatever we want because then we'll get more grace. And Paul's like, no. No. And he says something so very, very powerful, family. He says something so absolutely incredible that I want to make sure that you get. If you'll look at your first scripture there under the overview of chapter six, he says, don't you get this? Let me teach you this. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And so what he does here, family, in chapter six and seven, he starts talking about a different kind of law. There's the law, there's the rules and regulations that God gave Moses to his people, things that they were to do and things that they were to not do to please him. But he changes, he turns the corner a little bit and Dave, he starts talking about another law that's at work, the law of sin and death in our bodies. And the way that I can summarize this for you is this. Ron, I don't want anybody to tell me what I can do or can't do. I get to do whatever I want. And so, okay, I know that thou shalt not kill, but if someone makes me mad enough, doggone it, I'm gonna kill. And all right, I know God hates a liar, and I know that, because lying, lying breaks relationship, and lying is terrible, but if it's convenient for me, I might tell a little white lie every now and then. I don't want to be told what to do. I am a law unto myself. So Paul says, get this. You were buried. That that sinful nature in you, that nature that says, no, I, I can do whatever I want, I can do whatever I feel, if it feels good, I'm gonna do it, nobody can tell me not to. Paul says, that sinful nature in you was buried with Christ. And so what it means is you no longer obey that. You might feel it, but we're led by the Spirit. What we follow after is, the Spirit of God, and, and that leads to life in him. That, that leads. And it's, it's so powerful, family, something that he says. He says that if we follow after that sinful nature, that sinful law that's at work in us, if we just do what we want, do what we feel, 
says, ultimately, what you'll have when you look back over your life is this long list of things that you're ashamed of. This long list of things that you're like, I wish I hadn't been with her. Wish I hadn't ever, I should have just never gone out with him. I should have never just, I, I should. man, I wish I would have stayed in school. Man, I wish I wouldn't have jumped right into that and bought that without paying. It's like, if you just do what you feel all the time, then what you're saying is, is I don't need a God because I'm my own God. But he doesn't leave it there, family. He says, what happens when you follow after the things of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit lead to eternal life. When, when, you, when you deny yourself, when you say, I feel like doing this, but you know what? I belong to Jesus, and so I don't get to do what I always feel. When you deny yourself, that ultimately ends in this life filled with really good choices. Not perfection, but this life that you can look back on and say, you know what? God saved me out of a lot of mess. <laughs> God saved and by keeping our faith in Jesus Christ, family, ultimately what's waiting for us, what's waiting for us is eternal life. He says something so powerful and you have it there. It's probably the most, most famous verse in chapter six, 623. It's, it, it, it's like the most famous. He said, look, if you just always do what you feel, if you just always live how everybody, what you earn from that, the wages of sin is what, family? Death. But the free, and everybody, do your pastor a favor, would you shout free? free. The free gift of God is not death. It is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Our Lord. And so here it is, family. The way it was. Back in the day with Abraham, God was looking for faith and then obedience. The way it is for you and I now, God is looking for faith-filled acts of obedience that you and I will be goo-goo-ga-ga in love with him that we will just be out of our mind in love with Jesus and the way that it's defined, the way that we can say, I love Jesus, the way we can demonstrate that I belong to him is by living the way he says to live. That's what our relationship with him looks like. And that's what leads family to eternal life. And a life that we can look back on and not be ashamed of and not be a mess with, that we can just look back on and say, 
I'm living my life as unto Jesus first. Jesus first. And so, to further reiterate this family, he imagines that there would be some people in his listening audience that would be listening to this letter and say, so was it wrong for God to even give the law then? Are these rules in God? Wouldn't it have been better for us to not know? So is the law somehow sinful? Is the law, is these guidelines, these rules, are they somehow bad because they make me want to rail against them? Was it wrong for God to even give these guidelines and these rules? He's like, no. It's the only way that you and I know what sin is. It's a, it defined what sin is for us. And so Paul does something, family, that is so powerful in chapter seven. He goes into this confessional. It's like, here I am teaching all this stuff. Here I am telling you that the law of God, the rules and the guidelines, they're good, they're perfect, they're holy. Here I am telling you what it means to really fall in love with Jesus and what that looks like. I have spent chapter after chapter telling you what you should do and what you should not do. And then in chapter seven, you guys, he confesses. He says, guess what? I can't do it. All these things that I've been teaching you, all these things I've been talking to you about, guess what? The good things that I wanna do, the good things that I know I should do, I don't do them. Even though I know I should. And those terrible things, those sinful things, those things that go against God's word, those things, guess what? I find myself doing those very things. So here I am, the teacher of all these things, and I'm trying to instruct you on what a relationship with God really looks like, and guess what? I fail. Have you ever felt like that, you guys? Casey, have you ever felt like this? Have you ever felt, ooh, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing, okay, Whew. all right, everything's kind of settled down now, and ooh, I am ready. God, I got you. I, okay. Have you ever felt like it's like, I can do this. I can do this today. Like, guess what? I'm ready now. I'm ready. I can make this happen. I, today, I am going to live my best life. Today, I'm gonna eat right and I'm gonna exercise and I'm not gonna lie and I'm not gonna lust and I'm not gonna, and I'm gonna, today, whoo, I got this now, God. Have you ever made up your mind that you were just gonna work your, that you, I'm gonna be the best Christian that I, that I'm gonna do this, God, only to find that you've messed up again. And so Paul speaks to that. 
He's like, the very thing. So I'm, here I am talking to you about the law being perfect and, and how the, the grace and how oh, we, we can't just abuse grace. Here I am talking to you about that, but I'm, I'm not doing it. And he calls himself, you'll see in your notes there, he says, what a wretched man that I am. And I want you to be honest, family, as we get ready to wrap this up. Have you ever felt like this? <laughs> Who will deliver me? What hope do I have? I try. I keep, I honestly keep trying. I honestly, just when I think I've got this thing down, it's like I'm a wretch. And who's gonna help me? Who's gonna deliver me from this body of death? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then arguably family, in my opinion, the most powerful chapter in this entire book, chapter eight. He's being honest, he's confessing that I love Jesus with all my heart. I love Jesus. But I, I mess up. What hope is there for us? He says our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And he starts off chapter eight with this incredible truth, family, that I want to make sure that you get. He says there is now, when you get it right, when you understand that it's not about your ability to save yourself, it's not about your ability to live the way that you should live. It's all about you falling more and more and more in love with Jesus every day. That my goal every day is to fall more in love with Jesus, to surrender to his spirit in me so that I live the way I ought to live. He's like, now that I've established over these eight, these seven chapters, what it really looks like. He's like, therefore, now there is, guess what, family? No condemnation. And do you want to know what that word means? Paul is saying, now there is no judgment. There's no condemnation for those who surrender their minds, their souls, their bodies for those who are truly in Christ Jesus and not just saying, oh, look at me, look what I believe in my life that is not a reflection of it at all, but hey, I believe. It's like, nope. For those who hide themselves in the righteousness of Christ and recognize that they have the Holy Spirit in them that will give them the power to obey and live the way we should live. It says there's no judgment for you because you're in Christ Jesus. Which means from now on, guess what, Bell? We never have any problems ever in the world again. 
<laughs> There's never things that happen. And haven't you found this to be true, Dr. Dan? It's just life is perfect from now on. Like no more struggles, no more, no more sin, no more things we don't understand, no more heartache, no more pain, no more grief. We're just all just happy all the time. <laughs> He's like, now that I've established for you that God doesn't judge you, he justifies you. There are gonna be a lot of things in this life that happen that you don't like and that you don't understand. You're gonna pray for people to be healed and you're gonna watch them continue to suffer. There are gonna be things that move into your life that you don't understand why. There are gonna be seasons of plenty. And then there are going to be seasons of lack. But I'm thankful to God, family, that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say these words. In verse 28, he says, and we know that for those who love and obey God, what family? All things work together for good. I don't like it, God, and I don't understand it, but my faith is in you. My faith and my trust is in you. All things work together for good. For you, for me, for those who are called according to his purpose. And the greatest chunk of scripture, family, in this chapter, you to just look at your notes while I read. What shall then we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is not what people say about you. It is not even your own opinion that justifies you. It is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who says you are righteous. It is God that justifies you. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God right now, who indeed is praying for you right now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall all the stinking tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we're being killed all day long we're regarded simply as sheep to be slaughtered 
He doesn't stop there. I need my GT family to scream that first word in verse 37. Would you shout this word out, family? Say it, no! In all these things, we are not just common, ordinary, everyday conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am sure of this, Joe. I don't understand everything that happens, but Joe, I'm sure of this. That neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things currently happening right now, things that you're currently dealing with right now, Steve. I'm sure the things that are present right now that I don't like and I don't understand, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation it, you've heard it, you've heard it, but I want you to let it get down inside of you today, my family. Nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Would you bow your heads, family? nothing. Would you bow your heads? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing that you've done. Nothing that you're in. Nothing. All the questions that you have and all the pain that you've endured and why you and why you look and you see other people that seem to be blessed and you see other people that seem to be healed and you see other people that seem to have enough. There's nothing, no question, no fear, no anxiety that you have, nothing that tries to label you, nothing that tries to hold you back and nothing that tries to say this is who you are. There's nothing that you've been through. There's nothing that you've endured that has its imprint on you like the Father. The Father gets to determine and define who you are. You are who he says that you are, and you are healed and you are delivered. Nothing that you've been through or will go through. Nothing that you understand or don't understand. Nothing will be able to convince God to change his mind about you. He's out of his mind in love with you. Nothing. And so God, our response to that is simply this. We're able to live according to the word. We're able to live according to the word. We're able to look different. We're able to be in this world, but not be of this world. The reason we're able to do that is because your Holy Spirit is in us. And so our work, our work, God, first, our work has got to be just keeping our faith and our trust and our belief that you are who you say that you are, that even when I can't be faithful, that you will be faithful because you are not a man that you should lie. You are faithful, God.
And so I know for everyone here and everyone that is watching, God, that we just need to surrender. Surrender to your will and your way and realize who we are in you. Nothing can separate us from the promises that you have made us. You are true to your word. We trust you. We trust you no matter what. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. You know, I don't know if you've come in here and had a good week or if you've come in here and had not so good of a week. Um, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You know, I usually, most, most of the time, I have good, good weeks. Um, Thursday started my not-so-great week, and um, it caught me unaware. I was coming to um, the broadcast for um, Joyce Meyer, and it was raining and the leaves were falling, and I suddenly flipped back to 2004 when the leaves were falling and the rain was coming my daughter was in ICU and she passed away on October 31st and it has been 14 years and most days I am absolutely fine I miss her like crazy but I'm absolutely fine but if you've ever been on a grief journey because of someone that you love um, passing away sometimes it's not on the day that you expected that it kind of hits you but you know I was I'm so thankful because even on those days that you just don't know how you're going to make it through or how you're going to put one foot in front of the other. The love of God, nothing can separate us from his love. And so to close this out today, I'm just going to pray for you. If you've had a rough week, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, I see, I know you see those hands of those who have, who've struggled this week, but God, nothing's going to separate you from their, from the love of God. And I know that you will bring comfort and peace, wisdom, courage, whatever they need, God, that you are going to meet their needs. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Okay.